Spade and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM channel. Lady Sarah Spade, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. I want to just be right, Sarah, right out of the gate. We're going to tell everybody our crew is doing a spectacular job on the show right now. Devin, Billy, everybody behind the scenes. There's some weird technical things going on, so we don't have our usual hype music, but I'm still hyped that we get to hang out on SB Day. Everybody knows you can watch the ESPYs tonight on ESPN. And also the whole reason we do the ESPYs and the whole reason that we make this a big day is because we're looking for people to donate to the V Foundation for Cancer Research. You can go to v.org slash donate right now. This obviously, it's a continue, it continues to be a tough time for a lot of people. Cancer hasn't stopped. Neither will we. So if you're able to give, you can go to v.org slash donate right now. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. Sarah, there is big NFL news. We'll break down the ESPYs in a little bit, but the big NFL news of the day is that the 49ers have told Jimmy G his camp can go ahead and start looking for a trade partner. I'm not surprised by the news, but I got to admit, I find the timing of the news to at least be a little bit of a scratch of the head. It's like they had to see enough of Trey Lance to be comfortable with it, but still it puts Jimmy G behind the eight ball towards finding a good opportunity. Yeah, the whole thing is weird. You have to wonder if something specific happened that made them believe that this would not be uh, a tenable situation to carry both players. You know, we remember that Jimmy G was excused from mandatory minicamp in early June. He didn't take part in the off-season conditioning program. Uh, the vets are supposed to get there on Tuesday. Why they decided right now uh, is surprising. But also, you know, we we don't know what they have in Trey Lance. And for me, it was complicated last year for them to decide they wanted to win as many games as possible with the team that they had, understanding that Jimmy G could get them pretty far, but didn't need to or care enough about seeing the future in Trey Lance to use him during games that they might be able to win. And now that's put them in a very difficult position this year where they barely played Trey Lance last year. They didn't really take an opportunity to give him game time opportunities. And now you got to hope everything you saw in practice and everything you've seen coming up to this season was right in terms of turning a really talented defense and a really strong team over to a guy who didn't play a lot in college and didn't play hardly at all last year. Well, and, you know, so I, I was one that when they drafted him, I thought, you know what, they're playing chess while everybody else is playing checkers. They're doing a smart thing. They have a, a talent-laden uh, team that, that looks like it could contend for a Super Bowl. You let Jimmy G run this thing back for a while. You gracefully hand it over to Trey Lance. I thought all of that was perfect. But the one thing that has to happen in that process is a handling of this handoff the right way. Now, I'm the first to admit that we, the general sports media population, didn't react fondly at the time when Patrick Mahomes was suddenly thrust into the job after Alex Smith had taken the Chiefs to the playoffs. There was this thought of even if it's only a tiny step back, it's a step back. Well, now what we find is that you know the 49ers are obviously comfortable with what they've seen from Trey Lance. But to your point, and I think it's an important one, at least there was a, a, a body of work with Patrick Mahomes. Everything for Trey Lance has been so hard to figure out how it will translate at the next level. And the 49ers are in such a win-now environment and in a brutal division. Uh, if it only costs them one game by having Trey Lance, that could be the difference between going to the playoffs as a division champion or being on the road trying to make something happen as a wild, wild card and missing the whole thing entirely. That's, that's why I think the rest of the roster is what makes this complicated. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I also think there are some potential 
um, steps back that could be taken by the offensive line that will make it harder for them to stay creative with the run. And that might affect Trey Lance and his play action opportunities. We know that he's probably going to want to be in play action a lot. And if they don't have the offensive line to hold up and allow for that variance in the run game that they perfected and, and did so well, um, what does that mean for his development? You know, I'm, I'm also... I'd, I'd sort of forgotten about Jimmy G's surgery, and mm-hmm. that comes into play here too, Fitz. And it's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio. He'll be fully cleared in mid-August. So they're trying to find someone who's willing to trade before he gets final clearance to practice. So he can start looking now, but I don't know if a team's going to want to go for him unless they can get those physical um, you know, confirmations that he'll be ready to go. And once he is cleared, his $7.5 million injury guarantee for 2022 is gone. So he'll be guaranteed nothing unless he's on the week one roster. They're, they're, they're not going to want to pay him for that. So they would like to get rid of him. And that's probably going to help, uh, probably going to happen only if another team's starting quarterback gets hurt between now and when regular season, or, or I guess training camp or preseason happen. Um, unless there's a team that feels so needy at quarterback that they're willing to disrupt the plan that they have. But it's pretty late in the game for that. Yeah, and I mean, if we're going to talk needy teams at quarterback, one of those, at least in the eyes of most of us, is probably the Seahawks. But they're not going to trade Jimmy G in their their own division, right? Like that's, And and so I keep looking at all of this, and you and I have talked about before, looking at money instead of just looking at it in a vacuum, looking at it with context, right? So, yes, he's owed a ton of money this season. But also, they've got a little bit of cap space right now, not a ton. But it's not like him being on the books right now is costing them this great opportunity to better their team today. They're already sort of pot committed to that. So to me, if financially you don't have to figure out a way to get out of him, why wouldn't you at least keep the security around in case Trey Lance doesn't turn out to be who you thought he was going to be? Like, There's a spot here where I know it can make friction in the locker room, but I guess I kind of look at the leaders and say, well, manage that friction and do what's best for your team when you're in a win-now window, which which they're in. And, and you're right. Uh, uh, if you start looking around the league saying, who's going to want to trade for that contract? You're either going to have to pay Jimmy G $27 million this year, uh, you know, or you're going to have to trade for him and immediately do a new deal, not knowing what that health looks like and maybe what his ability to stay healthy looks like. I, I Looking for a trade partner here is a cute concept. I just don't know where you find one. Yeah, I agree. And it could end up being a really bad situation for Garoppolo. And, and you know, life's not fair. Pro sports aren't fair. Right. But it is unfortunate when there are some pretty trash dudes getting multiple opportunities or potentially getting a start. And you've got a talented player. I know he's not top of the heap. But there are a lot worse players that teams have sent to start for their football team than Jimmy Garoppolo. And it would be a real you know, unfortunate situation if this ends up being a lost season because of the timing and it'll be a real kick in the no, no places. As you would say, if Trey Lance is so inconsistent and so not ready that a team that has a really good shot of contending becomes a nothing burger because they made the wrong decision. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what you're risking here. Like this isn't just a, well, you know what? We were kind of a middle of the pack team. So let's just roll the dice and see what we got. Like, this is a Super Bowl caliber roster, mm-hmm. and you're sitting around in an NFC 
that looks like, you know, I know the Rams obviously feel good about where they are, but I feel you could make the argument the NFC looks a little more open, for example, what, than the way AFC. Way more open right? than the AFC. Right, yeah. 100%. So, like, if you're the 49ers, you're looking around and saying, well, why not us? Like, we have a legitimate shot at the Super Bowl. But, hey, guys, let's just get rid of this person uh, that we don't necessarily have to get rid of because it makes everything e- – like, I can't figure out the because it that actually makes it worth the cost here. That That's the part of it that I think is mind-blowing. Jimmy G has had some terrible luck since he went to San Francisco. He's had mm-hmm. health issues throughout the entire process of his career. And we can question the contract. In five years, we can look back and say, what the hell were they thinking? Sure, I think those are all real, fair, realistic conversations we can have. But he's also a quarterback that got you to within a a couple of drives of winning a Super Bowl, which would have changed much of this conversation. And I think the hindsight thing there, almost always when we get to a crossroads with a good to great quarterback, we say, what are your other options? You have to pay him. Right. And then later on, we're like, what a dumb contract. But in the moment, uh-huh. <laughs> we understand that, like, unless you've got somebody else, if you're in a window where you can win, which the Niners were, and you've got a player that can take you far, which he did multiple times, I'm not going to look back and say, what were they thinking? I'm going to look back and say, injuries and otherwise got in the way. It's Bain and Fitz, by the way. Um, the team that looks possibly like one that could take him on, that can absorb his full salary and would need him, is the Browns. And we don't know what that decision is going to be on Deshaun Watson and his suspension, but he could take a little pay cut or the Niners could absorb some of his salary and he could end up on a team that really could use a quarterback for the start of the season or potentially the whole season if, if that ends up going down with Deshaun. Yeah, now all of a sudden I'm all in for this because it gives us juicy things to think about for the next right. few days. ESPN Radio yeah. presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. Okay, NFL 2 is rolling on. We got to get to the Steelers. Plus, we have breaking NBA news. We will get it to you next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. It's Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz hanging out with you on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. We still got some technical difficulties, so we're just sort of creating some commercial breaks with some music. Fitz, I was disappointed at the start of the show that you didn't suggest that we just sing the opening track together. I mean, we have a very musical show, and both uh, you and I at various times, uh, without even paying attention, have just randomly been like, Yeah, I'm all in on that. That's how we'll do the next hour. Yeah, the way you did it also sounded a little bit like the Muppets, and I like that. It sounded like if Always, Animal yeah, like I go as Muppet Muppets as possible whenever I do these things. Real, out. real no growly. Uh, and I got a little growl today from my party voice because we had the night off last night. So I was on a boat. Oh, oh, and we that's did why... not have You were on a boat. We did oh, not fair, have fair, the night fair, off. fair, yeah, fair, fair, yeah. fair. You were working. Mm-hmm. What a shame yeah. for you. Mm-hmm. I was on a boat. It's Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Uh, before we get to our guest, really quickly, uh, James Harden has agreed to a two-year, $68.6 million deal, including a player option to return to the Sixers. Woj breaking that news. We'll get into that a little bit later in the show um, and what it means for the Sixers and their ability to put in talent around him, what he said about his offseason plans, and maybe spin it forward a little bit to the upcoming CBA negotiations and how it might affect that. But we got to continue with our NFL two-a-days, and one of the teams today is the Steelers. So we go to ESPN Steelers reporter Brooke Pryor, who I have now gotten to meet twice in person 
two times. Uh, oh. I love when our radio show folks boat? What, are real people. Were you guys taking out on a boat? Um, Was that... Okay. We're not on a boat. <laughs> we hung out in New York for the ESPNW uh, event around Title IX, and then we hung out in Chicago at the J- uh, Jeff Dickerson and Vaughn McClure event that I hosted. So, uh, Brooke, lovely to have you on now that I know you in person and that you are basically the same height as me. We love the Amazon sisters. I'm also happy for you because I feel like covering the Steelers will be a more joyful job moving forward with Ben Roethlisberger out of the way. And for all of the people, feel free to jump in my menchies and get after me about your you favorite didn't waste guy. Any time just destroying listen, social media. Listen, get after me in the menchies if you will. I would argue that it'll be more fun for a lot of people to watch the Steelers with him gone. And I want to start there with the quarterback position. Is this Mitchell Trubisky? Maserati Mitch's job to lose. I love the Maserati Mitch. Uh, I had kind of forgotten that that's something that people have called him before. Yes. Um, because I, I think maybe it's like a Mazda Mitch at this point. <laughs> I, I don't know that I'd go full Maserati. Uh, but Mazda's a very serviceable car. I love a Mazda. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what? I do think that that's where this quarterback battle, if you even want to call it a battle, I know the Steelers are saying, hey, it's an open quarterback competition between Mitch Trubisky, Mason Rudolph, and Kenny Pickett. But I get the sense that this is Mitch Trubisky's job to lose. And he looked he looked pretty good in OTAs and minicamp. He's been taking all the reps with, with the ones. I anticipate that to be the case going forward through training camp. Then it's been Mason Rudolph with the twos, Kenny Pickett with the threes. I think maybe that's where you could see some movement. Um, I'm not sure what the Steelers are going to want to do there because Kenny Pickett didn't look great through OTAs and minicamp. He's also a rookie. He's not going to come in and blow the doors off of things yet, especially in this quarterback class that was a weaker quarterback class. I think we can all agree. Um, But I think maybe you could see Pickett maybe jumping to two. Maybe Mason Rudolph ends up getting traded by the end of training camp. If there's some injuries, I would think that he's someone the Steelers are interested in, you know, exploring some other possibilities, opportunities for. But I do think that this will end up being Mitch Trubisky's team when we get to week one. We're talking to Brooke Pryor, ESPN Steelers reporter. Brooke, we don't know each other in person in real life, but I will tell you, uh, since we're just effusive with our praise of Brooke Pryor today, you've done a really nice job on Get Up. Every time I've uh, seen it, when I see that point, I'm like, oh, that's Brooke. So uh, well done by you. Uh, you just mentioned Kenny Pickett. And in my mind, one of the toughest adjustments – for any rookie who's trying to figure out life in a new place. Well, there's nothing new for Kenny Pickett, even the practice facilities. Like, everything's basically one in the same, right? So how does that impact his expectation for how he'll develop with the Steelers that he isn't changing so much of his life? Well, first of all, I think all three of us need to go hang out on a boat. That's the only way to oh rectify God, yes. this yes. situation. Yes. Um, <laughs> and you know what? They have a lot of boats in Pittsburgh somewhere that Kenny Pickett is very familiar with. So let me just circle it back around there well with all the rivers. Well uh, I think that, that it does help Kenny Pickett, you know, because like you said, there is an adjustment that comes with going to the next level, going to the NFL. And in 99% of cases, guys are going to be in an unfamiliar territory but kind of the beauty of Pitt's football program as a university is that they do share this building with the Steelers there is obviously like a divider down the middle they're not necessarily all in each other's meetings things like that but they share a similar space they walk through the same parking lot they share practice fields Pitt guys can watch the Steelers practice and vice versa this is someone that Mike Tomlin 
is very familiar with, someone that Kevin Colbert, I know he's retired now, he's no longer the GM, but someone that I think that the Steelers organization felt very comfortable drafting because they knew him long before the pre-draft process. And yes, teams do, you know, tons of research dating back to more than just a year out from the draft, but I don't think that any team has had the exposure that the Steelers have had to Kenny Pickett over the last five years um, in, in any other situation. And that's beneficial for the Steelers because they know exactly what they're getting. And it's beneficial for Kenny Pickett. He's not going to have the same growing pains as I think some, some other quarterbacks will, some other guys around the league will, because he's comfortable in the situation. He already calls Pittsburgh his second home. I mean, he came in, he did all the same rookie stuff that the Steelers have whenever they draft, you know, whoever their first round pick is, they come in, they take the picture with Franco Harris in the Pittsburgh airport. They do kind of a little tour around Pittsburgh. Kenny Pickett could pretty much lead that tour. He went to Kennywood and he already knew all the places uh, around it that he was going to. So I think that that is a huge factor. And let's not forget, no, he didn't play for Matt Canada at Pitt, but he was recruited by Matt Canada. And so obviously Canada is telling him things. Here's the system that I want to run. Here's how I think you can fit. The two are very familiar with each other, and I think that that's going to go a long way to helping him adjust to this NFL playbook. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're talking to Brooke Pryor about the Steelers as we continue our NFL two-a-days. They're going to need some wide receivers to help whoever it is that wins that signal caller job. What's the rotation going to look like? You know, I think Deontay Johnson's still going to be the number one guy, um, but I'm interested to see what his chemistry and rapport is like with Mitch Trubisky because Ben Roethlisberger was clearly comfortable with Deontay Johnson. He couldn't always get the ball to him consistently um, because of you know some physical restraints that he had at the age he was playing. Um, but I think that Deontay Johnson, as long as he himself is a consistent receiver and doesn't have some of the drop issues that plagued him two years ago and then late in last season, he's still the number one guy. He's still hoping for a contract, but at this point, I don't think that we're going to see a hold-in or a hold-out waiting to get that money because he showed up at mandatory minicamp and and was a full participant. Um, But I think it's going to be Johnson. Uh, Chase Claypool will be a big factor. I think you could see him move into the slot some more. Um, George Pickens, their uh, second-round wide receiver, I think is going to be a big factor, a big outside body. Skinny, but very tall. And then I kind of think that my under-the-radar guy to keep an eye on is Calvin Austin III. He is a small guy. But he's really, really fast. He has the skill set to play inside and outside. I think he's going to be used heavily in jet sweeps, something that Matt Canada loves to do. And he was not the cleanest. He didn't have the cleanest uh, OTAs in minicamp, had you know some issues with drops. But he's a rookie. If he can get that together, I think that there's a lot of promise for him in the system that the Steelers want to run. Brooke, I'm going to presume that the Ravens get better uh, with health, which means you've got a really stacked division. Where does this team, in your mind, stack up in their division with everybody else? Well, it's one of those situations where if you look at the roster and you look at the schedule, you can talk yourself into the Steelers finishing last. I mean, let's be honest. They're in a division where, obviously, we don't know what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson and the Browns and football. It should be secondary to everything else going on with him, but if he plays for you know half the season, 75% of the season, depending on what that punishment is, the Browns are firmly in the mix in the AFC North. The Ravens are going to get better. They had so many injuries last year, and we're still some, somewhat of a factor, still a very tight division. 
the Bengals were just in the Super Bowl. So you look at the roster, you look at the question mark at quarterback, and you think, ah, this might be the year that the Steelers uh, are finishing last. But then you have to remember the most kind of important guy that's listed on that roster, down at the bottom, head coach Mike Tomlin. This guy has not had a losing season. That's something that we're going to be talking about a lot this year. Either it's going to be because he continues that streak or it becomes an anomaly in his very storied career as the Steelers head coach. But I look at what he did in 2019 when they didn't have Ben Roethlisberger and Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph were the quarterback, were the quarterbacks, and they almost made the playoffs. They finished above 500. To me, I think that the Steelers can be in the conversation to finish second in the division. Maybe something crazy happens and they win the whole thing. I I think that anything is possible. This is kind of wide open because they have Mike Tomlin, who has a very um, successful tenure there. And I mentioned that roster. Let's not forget, they have T.J. Watt. They have Minka Fitzpatrick. They have Najee Harris. I mean, they have some really, really good pieces. It's just going to be how quickly can all these guys gel and is that offensive line actually going to be better this year after that seemed to be the thing that needed to happen last year, and it got worse somehow? You can follow her at B.E. Pryor, Brooke Pryor, ESPN Steelers reporter. Thanks for the time, Brooke. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Brooke. It's SB's Day. We're going to talk with a former NFL coach who beat his battle with cancer and ask what a day like today means for him. It's Spain and Fitz. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM. Channel 80, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, were presented by Progressive Insurance. And uh, I think you know if you listen to a lot of ESPN how significant today is for the network as we always bring awareness to the V Foundation for Cancer Research. And uh, obviously the ESPYs tonight, you can watch that on ESPN starting at 8 o'clock Eastern, uh, are a huge deal for all of us. But today's about more than just the ESPYs. It's about bringing awareness to the V Foundation. If you're able uh, you can support. Go to v.org slash donate right now. And if you give today, your give your gift will be doubled by a generous V Foundation matching donor. We know things are tough for a lot of uh, people. Obviously, it's a tough time, but cancer hasn't stopped, so neither will we. So if you're able, uh, go give at v.org slash donate. And remember, it doesn't have to be a huge amount. Whatever you can give, all of it helps make a difference. So with that in mind, uh, we're going to get some insight on this day and, and sort of what it means for so many people from former NFL head coach Chuck Pagano joining us now. Always appreciate the time, Coach, when you come on with us. It's SB Day. Uh, we're focusing so many people's attention to the V Foundation. What can you tell us about your battle with cancer? Yeah, uh, thanks for having me. It's always great to be on uh, with you guys, and especially on on this uh, incredible day. Um, yeah, it's it's like anybody who's who's gone through you know, a cancer journey, it's its one of those things you never expect to hear, right? You have cancer, you know, so you have to quickly get over that. Um, the timing of it was, was crazy, being in my first year, you know, at, at, uh, as head coach of the Colts and, and then, you know, first month of the season and so forth. But, you know, all the money that's been raised by the, by the V Foundation, um, every penny going to, you know, cancer research, Every penny is just so critical because, you know, the type of leukemia that I had was, was highly curable, but without research, uh, without funding, without donations, without people, you know, giving years and years ago, you know, who knows if they would have came up with, you know, I call it the cocktail, 
you know, the the chemo that I had and then the Atro that I took to to cure my, my leukemia and be in remission 10 years out still, um, you know, who knows if that would ever happen. I mean, the survival rate went from 50% to, to low 90. So I was very, very fortunate. Um, but it's just because, you know, of, of people, um, you know, being so generous uh, with their money and, and the hard work that's being done by the, the V Foundation since 93 and incredible amount of money raised. And again, research, uh, you know, saves lives and it, it, it saved mine. And so I'm glad we're all able to uh, to give back and support because, like you said, uh, you know, times are tough right now in our country, but cancer doesn't discriminate. It doesn't have anything to do with the markets and inflation. It doesn't care. So um, we just got to keep we just got to keep going until we can cure all blood cancers. V.org is the website if people want to donate. And this year there's an individual donor who will match every donation up to a total of a million dollars. So we can hit two million dollars for cancer research today alone. V.org is where you can give. Chuck Pagano, I'm, I'm curious. I've heard people say that they don't like the idea of saying someone lost their battle with cancer because nobody loses. It's not a, a black and white. It's not a winner and a loser situation. When you were in the midst of your uh, toughest times with cancer, how did you like people to talk to you about it? And did you sort of turn away from that very common metaphor we use? No, Sarah, that's a that's a great a great question, and you know, I love you know talking about it. You just you got tired maybe of hey, how you doing, how you feeling, this that you know, um, you know because, but you get so much encourage, encouragement you know from from others, and the best thing that helped me was you know a couple things. Obviously, faith, family, and football. You know, my wife who was by my side the entire time. And then watching the football team perform, we weren't supposed to win a game that year. We were ranked 32 out of 32 teams in the power ranking starting that season in 212 and, and uh, you know, going to win 11 games. Um, but the encouragement that I received in the, the text, the letters, the voicemails, um, and it was, it was everybody that had been, you know, been through something and talking to you about, hey, you know, Week two, week three, these are things that you can expect, you know, hear from a, a six-year-old, you know, young boy who, who's been through it and, you know, tells you, hey, chew ice during chemo because it'll, it'll help, you know, um, you know, you can get bad mouth sores from the chemo and, and it'll help keep the mouth sores away, coach. I, I chewed on strawberry, you know, popsicles, you know, just, I mean, things like that were, were so incredible and so awesome. And it kind of took you away from the reality of what you were really going through, um, you know, and, and cause those days can get long and, you know, the, the treatments can, can be very hard and harsh, but um, yeah, I mean, and people don't know what to say sometimes, you know, and other than, you know, just reaching out and encouraging, Hey, we're thinking about you. We're praying for you. Um, and, and we're here for you, whatever you need. And that's, that's usually good enough. And, and so to, to talk about it and, or be afraid to ask the tough questions, you know, people shouldn't, you know, so I was, I was really fortunate. How did going through the process for you of, of just trying to get healthy again, change your outlook when you made it through and you, you found out you were in remission, you're cancer free. How did it change sort of your day in and day outlook with life? 
Yeah, it, it's amazing, you know, perspective and, and gratitude because, you know, we think we have all the time in the world, you know, and so after, you know, coming through my journey and, and coming out on, on the right the right side of it, and, you know, you guys mentioned, you know, losing a battle. You, you know, Jimmy didn't lose his battle. The way he fought with such grace and dignity and, cur- and courage, Stuart Scott, I mean, that, give, that gives you hope, you know, and... Um, you know, so (laughs) you just learn that, you know, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. So if we get tomorrow, I used to tell the players all the time, let's kick tomorrow's ass. Let's, let's, let's just get everything that we can out of tomorrow and, and, and do it with gratitude in our heart and just this appreciation for the day and what we've been given and what we have and, you know, we're playing and coaching um, a kid's game, and we make so much more out of it. The pressure and stress that we put, it's a kid's game, you know. And at the end of the day, it, you know, it taught me that, you know, my motto was, hey, they can fire me, but they can't eat me. You know, so I, we'll get through that no matter what we can get through because there's a lot bigger, you know, a lot more to life than just the wins and losses. And I, we all know what comes with signing up for these jobs as players and coaches and the expectation, all that stuff, but we're not promised tomorrow. So let's go out and live every single day that we get to the fullest and, and just, you know, have a heart filled with gratitude. And it, it just gives you, you know, great perspective that, you know, again, tomorrow's not guaranteed. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're talking to former NFL coach and cancer survivor Chuck Pagano on SBDayV.org is where you can give a million dollars is being matched by an individual donor. So if we can hit a million, we'll get two million for cancer research today. Coach, what are you up to now and how invested are you in watching uh, every play of an NFL season? <laughs> oh god i i go i will never put that away i love i love watching ball and there's so many things sarah that i miss you know about the game and you know the the guys the the locker room the coaches the relationships the camaraderie competition i mean it's hard to replicate that but i'm out in boise idaho full-time uh we're up at uh, uh in mccall idaho uh payette lake um, we're living a really, really blessed life. I have all my daughters, Tara, Taylor, and Tori are all living in, in Boise. My oh, three nice. granddaughters, Addison, Avery, and Zoe, my grandson, Bear Charles, and we're just living uh, a great life and, and, uh, and so blessed and spending a lot of time with, with those, with our family and things like that and friends. So this is, um, yeah, yeah, I feel I feel very grateful. So we're we're doing really good, and can't wait for the see. What are we fifty days away? I I see from Pretty kickoff. Close, yeah, maybe we're down know. to fifty, whatever it is. But um, I'm counting those days down, and and I, I just yeah, we we still we still love my now my kids. They don't care now that I'm not coaching and stuff. They don't they could give <laughs> you know to whatever about about the game and anything else. But but me well, and my we, wife, we still get. We're still heavily invested, and we got a bunch of people we still love to root for. 
And, and well, we do have forever a grandkid with the name Bear, which selfishly, I'm just happy that's the job you had when the kid was born, because now forever, <laughs> forever we get a grandkid yeah, named Bear in honor of the bears. <laughs> it, it's, yeah, and so, yeah, so everybody was asking, is it because, you know, you were in Tory, you should ask my youngest daughter, and she'd be like, heck no, you know, but it was, <laughs> it was, it was perfect timing, though. That's the story she I'm was smart myself. to get. <laughs> to get my my name in there as the middle name, you know, she's no dummy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she, she knew long long term it would pay off in the, in the end. I, I'm just I'm just being funny. I'm just kidding. But he he is pure joy, you know. Because three daughters, three granddaughters. I thought, oh Christ, I'll never, you know, have a boy in the family, you know. And we finally got old Bear, and and he is he is just so precious and so fun. I really need Bear to be huge, though. Like, you can't have the name Bear and be, like, a, a little guy like me. Like, that just doesn't work at all. He, no, he is a big, thick son of a gun. He'll be two in October, and he is he is uh, healthy as a horse, and, and he's a go-getter now. I mean, he's, he is nonstop, and he don't want to nap. He don't want to miss nothing anymore. He just goes till he passes out at night. He's He's all gas and no brakes. Well, Coach, we appreciate your time. Your story is an inspiring one. Your message is an important one, especially on days like today. Uh, enjoy your, your, your hanging out with the family. That's, that's a wonderful life. But uh, we appreciate that you give us the time and the insight on what this day means to you. Thanks, Coach. Appreciate you guys. Take care. Don't forget, you can go to v.org slash donate. And that's, it's super simple. You just go to v.org slash donate. And then every, if you, for today, any gift will be doubled up to a million dollars by a V Foundation matching donor. So we have the chance, like Sarah said, to raise $2 million. It's v.org slash donate. Any dollar amount that you can do is helpful. Every every single penny counts in this process of what we're trying to do. So uh, we'll keep, obviously, those stories coming. And tonight's the ESPY. So we'll get you caught up on what to look for there, give you some memorable moments and some predictions coming up. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Oh, this beat goes hard, though. We are mm. hearing all of the mm. ESPN-owned mm. background music as we continue to deal with technical issues. I like this one. I could, you know, my very famous uh, Levitardian uh, yeah. rap, uh, could, the commish rap, some bars. Let's go. was done Let's go. over an ESPN-provided uh, back backbeat, and that now is the music for my podcast. That's what she said. Oh, Isn't that interesting? In case you were ever listening, you're like, how do I know this Full beat? Circle. It is, of course, Full from circle. the Commission Rap. It's Spain and Fitz. We are powering through these technical difficulties here on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. If you're able, please join us today in supporting the V Foundation for Cancer Research. Go to v.org slash donate now. And if you give today, your gift will be doubled by a generous V Foundation matching donor. We know things continue to be tough for so many folks, but cancer has not stopped, so neither will we. If you're able to, please give. Everything helps. Go to v.org slash donate now. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, uh, we're going to get to the second half of our NFL two-a-days, but we want to talk a little bit of ESPYs. They are tonight in about 15 minutes, uh, right on ABC is where you can catch them. Steph Curry hosting tonight, and Fitz, I think I have high expectations, and I think my favorite part might be Steph taking some shots at people. We know that the dogs during the ESPYs tend to be other than Norm McDonald, RIP, lighthearted, warm at the core, but there are some, some shots fired. 
Uh, Norm was a different situation. You could go back and watch that one if you want. Um, mm-hmm. But I do think that Steph will get some in, and I'm excited to see who the targets are. Yeah, there's no doubt because he's got the likability. He can get away with it, right? Like mm-hmm. there's this, and you know this from just life experience all around entertainment and around comedy. Like I think some guys just have such a glorious smile they can say anything, and that's really I'm I'm looking forward to seeing if Steph digs fully in on this because there are so many prominent athletes in the room. This is his chance to take not so thinly veiled shots at the Lakers. Uh, he can clap mm-hmm. back at the Grizzly. I mean, we got John Morant as a nominee in, in Breakout, mm-hmm. and there's been a little bit of a you know a little heated back and forth on the social medias between uh, some Grizzlies players and some Warriors players. So, like, I- I'm interested to see if he just pokes the belly of the beast a little bit and relies just on being all-around likable and handsome and just uh, gets away with it. I think he will. He was at that uh, celebrity golf tournament in Tahoe and grabbed the mic at the award show and said, everybody be careful if you want to come to the show, just know you're liable to catch a couple strays. So mm-hmm. he has put it out there already that no one is safe. I'm really looking forward to Steph hosting. I was wondering uh, if you have any memorable ESPYs memories. Now, I know one of them will not be attending since you never have and you were supposed to this year. And then at the last minute, you heard Mike got rescinded. Yeah, so I'm mean, uh, just that, 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 sitting let's, at let's home just be real here, like, wondering uh, what it's like for everyone else. Do you have any good memories from that? Uh, uh, let me just say, by the way, I really thought this was going to be my, my breakthrough year where it was going to be like, hey, I finally got myself in uh, to the to the ESPYs. I, I feel good about this. Did not turn out to necessarily be the case. So, you know, l- 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 but there's still time. Like, I feel I feel faith knowing that I saw Bucci was saying that it's whatever, you know, 25 years with the company. He's never been invited. So I feel like uh, I'm, I'm in on that. No, I because of my music background, I think, and the way it aligned at the time, I remember Justin Timberlake doing the whole thing with yeah. the, the barbershop quartet. Like, I always thought that was awesome. That, that sort of sticks out of my head as one of my favorite ones. Um, and Will Ferrell, of course. Like, th- those are the ones that, like, like that late 2000s, uh, before we got to the 2010 era, like, that's what that sticks out in my head. You've been to it, though, a bunch of times, right? So, what's your favorite? Bunch of times. Yeah. Oh. So, I will say that one of my, uh, I'm not very good at taking stock of my career. I have, I, for as much as I am, um, my presentation is very cocky and I use that as sort of a bit. I find it difficult to, like, uh, be one of those people who put stuff on social media and then puts like hashtag humble, hashtag blessed, right? Like mm-hmm. that's basically just those moments where people really want to brag. But the ESPYs have always been a place for me to really be able to take stock of my career because I lived out in LA. I was working for Fox Sports 1. No, Fox Sports Net, which were the regional networks across the country before FS1 even existed. And I was logging games and writing copy for the people on TV to say about the highlights and trying to figure out if I would ever make it in the business. And I got a gig working for the company that runs a lot of the red carpet stuff for the ESPYs, where I was an athlete escort, which terrible phrasing. Uh, We haven't come up with a better name for this, but these are the people that walk with your favorite athletes and then are approached by outlets that say, hey, can we get him for this or can we get her for that? You, you, you know, you approach with them. Hey, are you willing to do this? And you say, okay, we've, we've got to go now or time's up or whatever and move them down the carpet. So Wayne Gretzky was my assigned person. Oh, so I spent so cool. the day hanging with the great one and his wife and ended up in the mix with all these people. Ended up at LeBron's penthouse after party that you had to take a secret freight elevator to. Just surrounded by all these celebs. And I remember at the time being like, this is just the coolest scene. And 
a couple years later, I'm working for ESPN. I'm on the red carpet, and that's it, right? I'm like, I made it. A year after that, I'm working the red carpet, and then I'm in the theater watching the ESPYs. And that uh, has been the case a couple times where I've gotten to go work it and then be in the theater. And those moments, that's where I'm actually like, if you had told me that this was going to be something I got to do, I never would have believed you. And so that's a good way to remind myself that, you know, a lot of the things that we have now are things that we only dreamed about having before. That is, the way you tell that story is so similar to how I always felt about the ACMs. That was always the moment, like, or the CMAs, either of those, like, in music. Like, you never thought you were finally going to get there when you did. I will tell you, it was funny. When I went in, I had to have a, a pass so I could go to the, to a different event last night that was part of the ESPYs, right? So, uh, a side thing. So, I, I show up in the area where all the, the passes are. And, of course, this is par for the course for me. Nobody knows who I am, obviously, so I have to go through, like, 27 different people. And I'm sitting at the little table, and they're like, yeah, we're going to have to take a picture of you. Just sit here so we can print it on something. And I'm sitting there as, like, all of our real, like, talent and the real names are all walking by. The ones that are like, hey, man, how's it going? I'm like, I'm I'm just over here sitting in my seat getting my picture taken. So I haven't had the made it moment yet. We'll see. Someday. Good to keep you humbled. You're doing it twice, though. You Someday. made it in music, and now you're yeah. trying to start all over and do it again in sports, and you're doing extremely well. So uh, no shame in that game. It's actually really quite impressive. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Uh, we want to ask you, as we get ready for the ESPYs, if there's an award that they don't yet give out but should, see if you can hit us up, at Spain and Fitz, at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz, an ESPY that they do not give out, but they should. And which athlete would you most like to see host next? We'll get into all of that, um, and we'll maybe keep an eye on the fashion, the jokes, the people catching strays. Again, ABC is where you can watch the ESPYs. Also wanted to note and point out, um, there were three mobile digital billboards demanding Brittany Griner's release from a Russian prison driving around Hollywood all day today. Uh, Change.org collaborated with Brittany Griner's family and legal team uh, to try to just keep that conversation going. And Fitz, every time I think about it, I'm just reminded how surreal it is that one of our nation's best athletes is still being uh, uh, wrongfully detained. So keep that energy. Uh, coming up, our NFL two-a-days roll on. The Cardinals are next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, or presented by Progressive Insurance. Obviously having some technical difficulties tonight with some of the show, and we want to give Devin and Billy and everybody behind the scenes that are working their tail off a huge, huge shout-out. They're doing great work through weird things going on. Gremlins everywhere, but they're handling it. Uh, like the absolute professionals they are. Uh, we'll get to NFL two-a-days in a second, but before we do, want to make sure everybody knows some of the big headlines out there today. Uh, right now, we've got breaking news in the NBA as James Harden and the Sixers have reached a two-year $68.6 million uh, contract that, according to Adrian Wojnarowski. Of course, the deal includes a player option for the 2023-24 season. Remember, he had declined his $47.3 million option to become a free agent focused on a return to Philly. Now he'll make $33 million for this coming season, has a $35.6 million player option for next season. So he puts himself back in the fold. Also in the news today, the Niners have given Jimmy Garoppolo and his camp the okay to seek a trade as they're about to go to camp. So we'll see where that goes next in the development. And in a little bit of college football news, Texas A&M senior wide, wide receiver Nia Smith had been scheduled to appear at SEC Media Days Thursday. Did not. He was arrested early Wednesday on charges of driving while intoxicated, unlawful carrying of a weapon, 
and marijuana possession of less than two ounces. Those are some of your sports headlines going on right now on SB's day. So now we will get to two a days, Sarah, as we get everybody ready for two teams every day. We know the routine, and today it's time to get uh, all thoughts and insights on the Cardinals. So to do that, we're joined by Josh Weinfuss. You can check him out, ESPN Cardinals reporter. Josh, uh, obviously we can't have any conversation without starting with money on this thing, right? Like, So what's the situation with Kyler Murray, and, and how comfortable is everybody with where his contract is right now? Everything's all quiet on the Western front for right now. Um, we'll know uh, in a week when the Cardinals report on Wednesday if Kyler Murray shows up. Um, I do expect them to have a deal done before that, but if for some reason there isn't one done, um, I think all eyes are going to be on whether or not he walks in the door at the Renaissance Hotel in Glendale, Arizona on, on Wednesday when, when the vets report, because if he does not, then I think we're going to be in for very interesting um, training camp. You know, the Cardinals um, do have a, um, a slight concern that he might hold out if he doesn't get the deal he wants. Um, but I just, I just don't expect that to happen. I think he will sign his contract or he'll, he'll get the contract he wants and, and then sign it. Um, and that could happen in the next six or seven days. So let's say he's around. Uh, they're certainly still going to have their concerns, especially early on with DeAndre Hopkins out for six games, suspended for violating the NFL's uh, performance-enhancing drug rules. So who steps up, and how big of a deal is it to be without Nuke? <laughs> it's a massive deal. I mean, just look at how the last end of last season ended. Granted, they didn't have the one person who they brought in to replace him. That's Hollywood Brown. Um, who they traded for in the first day of the draft with the Ravens. So he's going to come in, Brown's going to come in, and he's going to be expected to do as much as he can to fill that uh, DeAndre Hopkins role. But we all know that there's really no other DeAndre Hopkins. You know, what he does to the defense in terms of making them pay attention to him, draw so much attention away from the other guys on the opposite end of the field, it's very hard to replicate that. And I don't think a guy like Hollywood Brown, no matter how hard he tries, will be able to do that. All of this, in my opinion, falls on Cliff King's very shoulders. He needs to be the one that can be, you know, use his creativity to to develop plays, a game plan, a scheme, whatever you want to call it, to get other guys involved in ways that could make can, can can make plays happen without DeAndre Hopkins on the field. That is what he did not do at the end of last year. So it'll be very interesting to see how he utilizes um, Hollywood Brown. He's going to be. We know he's going to be. They're deep threat, um, you know, and then obviously Rondale Moore, who also has the speed. I, I expect him to be used a lot behind the line of scrimmage. Um, AJ Green is back. They have Zach Ertz, so you know they have a lot of complementary pieces to Kyler Murray. Um, but just how they're going to be used, we don't know because we have seen Cliff Kingsbury not be creative or adapt the way that we would expect him to in the past. Well, and Josh, that raises a question because there were question marks around Cliff when he was first hired. Then no question marks now. Question marks. Where's the organization right now on their head coach? Uh, well, they gave him oh, a five-year extension uh, back in March, um, which I think caught a lot of people by surprise considering how the last two years ended. Um, I, I don't think that means that his job is completely safe. I don't think that means his seat is cold heading into the 2022 season. I think that to some degree he is on a hot seat because if Arizona – Here's the thing. They're, I, I expect them to struggle without DeAndre Hopkins for the first six games, right? They don't have a key piece to their offense, and it's very hard to duplicate his, his production. So you, if you struggle for the first six games, and then you start struggling after the midway point like they have the last two years, that leaves you, what, like three or four games to play well in? 
that's not going to be enough for them to, I think, get back to the playoffs. So if they have a rough start and a rough finish, I, I just I, I think it's going to be very hard for Michael Bidwell, the Cardinals' owner, to continue with Cliff Kingsbury. However, there is a built-in excuse, and that's, well, they didn't have DeAndre Hopkins for the first six weeks. So I, I think if this is going to have to be Cliff Kingsbury's best season as a head coach, not just with X's and O's. He is going to have to control this locker room. He's going to have to get these guys more disciplined than they've ever been. You know, dating back to his years at Texas Tech, he's always had teams that have had a ton of penalties, which that always comes back to being self-disciplined. And his teams have not been. So if he can get all of that right heading into this year, then I think that there's, you know, I I don't think we're going to have this conversation come November, even if they are playing bad. But if they're playing bad football and it's sloppy football and you know there's really kind of a sense that this is going to happen again and again and again meaning they're gonna have these late season slides i just don't know how you keep keep cliff kingsbury that's hard to say beyond this year because you need kyler murray especially if you give him a long-term deal you need him to take that jump and i just don't know if cliff kingsbury is that coach to do that it's Spain and Fitz here. Spain, Jason Fitz talking Cardinals with Josh Weinfuss as we continue our two-a-days. You just mentioned what I was going to ask. How much of their offseason time is spent trying to figure out the cause of that frustrating pattern of starting strong, being one of the top teams in the league, and then fizzling down the stretch, whether because of injuries or because of poor play? Publicly, they are saying that they're, you know, they're not spending a lot of time on it. They're thinking about the future. They're looking ahead. All the coach speak you can imagine is coming out of that locker room. But they are spending a ton of time trying to figure out what exactly has gone wrong. And I think for the most part, they know. It's just a matter of fixing it. You know, after the 21 season collapsed, Kyler Murray was furious. He was absolutely pissed. And then he comes into the 22 season. They start great. He thinks all their mistakes are, are corrected. And then they have another tailspin at the end of the year. And he t- that takes that frustration after the 21 year and, I mean, multiply it by, by a dozen. And he is, he was absolutely irate after last season. So they know what they're doing wrong. It's a matter of fixing it. And I think if you can't fix it as an organization, then someone at some point at the top needs to take a step back and evaluate why. Now, if they can fix it, I think you're fine going. Did we lose him? I think we might have lost Josh. We had him. Well, they know. Oh, we got him back. They know what's wrong. Oh, you got me. Yeah, we got you, brother. Yeah, sorry, sorry. They know what's wrong. They just need to go out and fix it. And I, I think that's going to be the number one question going into the season. Can they fix those late season issues? Let, let me be cynical though for a second. We're talking to Josh Weinfuss, by the way, ESPN Cardinals reporter on Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. I feel like if I was just looking on paper, I can make a pretty compelling argument that the Rams are a more talented team with a better coaching staff. So why do I have tremendous expectations for the Cardinals when on paper it looks like the Rams are built better? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, on paper, there's a lot of talent, right? Especially on offense. You have Kyler Murray, James Conner, who had a great season last year. Obviously, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, Hollywood Brown, like I said, Rondale Moore. A.J. Green, Zach Ertz, Trey McBride, the rookie tight end out of Colorado State. Lots of good pieces. Rodney Hudson, their, their center is coming back. That's a big um, plus for this offense. On defense, they have a lot of big names. But it's just it's, you're, you're right. No matter how much you, you, you look at this roster, there always seems to, the Rams always seem to be better. And obviously last year, look what happened in the playoffs. They split during the regular season, and the Rams just, absolutely demolish them in the wild card game en route to the Super Bowl. So I don't know if it's Cliff Kingsbury just 
like like Sean McVay has something over Cliff Kingsbury. I don't know if it's just Cliff can't get out of his head. I don't know what it is, but I think that it, it, this is going to be a big year for a lot of reasons. They need to see Kyler Murray take that step. And sure, he's been a pro bowler. He's rookie of the year. But they need to see that leadership grow. They need to see Kyler Murray adapt and adjust on the fly even more than he did last year. They need to see him kind of be that QB one in all senses of, of those letters and um, in number, but in terms of the Rams, they need to go out there and they need to make sure that they put together the teams, the scheme, the mentality to beat those guys because do during it, do doing it during the regular season obviously doesn't matter if you can't do it in the playoffs. So I think their, te- their roster is good. Obviously not as, not as good as the Rams, but they, 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 this team, this rivalry is going to be going on as long as these two head coaches, are, are in their jobs. Josh, go, ahead. go ahead, sir. Go ahead. I was just going to ask if you had a prediction. I think we could see anything from five and twelve to ten and seven this year. I think it's going to be that big of a of a range simply because of how they could start without DeAndre Hopkins, and if they have a third straight year of, of collapsing in the second half, you know that could lead to just two wins in the final eight, nine, ten games. So it could be bad. It could be good. It's not going to be great. I don't think it's going to be great. I think it could be bad to good somewhere in that range. Well, Josh, we appreciate the time. As always, the expertise. Enjoy training camp. Hope you got a little rest this summer. Uh, going to be a wild one. So appreciate it. Stay hydrated. Very warm. Stay hydrated, my friend. I will. I will. Thanks for having me. Guys can follow him on Twitter, at Josh Weinfuss, obviously. Now, uh, the two days are taking a bunch of focus, but it's still always NBA season right now, and we have breaking NBA news tonight about James Harden and his new deal with the 76ers. The question is, is it a good deal for Philly? We'll break it down with an expert next, Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. I feel like a boss now that our technology appears to actually be working. Uh, We're joined now by Devon Givens, 97.5, the fanatic host, Sixers pre- and post-game host. We have James Harden news, two-year deal, $68.5 million. He sticks around with the Sixers, sorry, $68.6 million. Don't want to shortchange him. Uh, talk us through his decision to return, his decision to renegotiate, and what it means for the team this year. Yes, thanks for having me. Both of you really appreciate it. And the fact that he had the $47.4 million player option uh, available to him and making the decision to uh, opt out of it, not accept it, and give the Sixers more wiggle room to go and have the opportunity to have that flexibility to add to, to, to their roster by signing P.J. Tucker to the mid-level exception, the full mid-level exception, exception, and Daniel House to the biannual exception as well. So that's the decision, and he talk, talked about it openly, about wanting to uh, make sure that he did everything possible. So all this stuff that has been out there as of late because of the the news that has been out there for him of taking less. He said this when he got to Philadelphia from Brooklyn in February. He also followed it up with the exit interviews, also saying the exact same thing. He's going to do everything possible within himself to help the team out and help put the best possible product on the floor. Now, not knowing James Harden, of course, from his days in Houston and Brooklyn, seeing him from afar, we didn't know if that was going to be true or not. And listen, turning down $47.4 million, and we now see just taking a little bit of a haircut off of that, uh, is a big deal. So it was more of a wait-and-see thing. Okay, great, you tell us you're going to do it. Now, 
you talk to talk where you walk your walk. And, and Sarah, he, he is talk to talk, and he is really walking the walk right now. What is it? Because seeing a player decide to opt out to take less is rare. How did Philly pull this off? Well, yeah, just I, I guess it was really just the relationship with Daryl Morey, Tad Brown, who's the CEO, and James Harden, all from their days in in Houston, and having that that familiarity, that trust, that goes a long way with the front office, and at the time the franchise player. And even though he may not be the franchise player here in Philadelphia, he is the number two behind Joel Embiid, and that's how they were able to get it done. And with that, again, knowing that if he goes out there and plays a big-time role that he should for this upcoming campaign, but playing at that all-star level, helping them get deep into the postseason past the second round, hopefully, finally, for this organization, that next year and that handshake agreement, I'm sure, <laughs> would go a long way in them renegotiating something with the player option that is now being reported uh, for James Harden with the Philadelphia 76ers. Of course, that number right now being reported that James Harden will take the $68.6 million deal, but then uh, having year number one at $33 million, but year number two, $35.6, and again, opting out as a player option to one plus one, and then going for a long-term deal, negotiating that next summer. Yeah, I mean, he'll be back in free agency next summer, can negotiate another deal. Um, this is a benevolent move, but it's not without its upside for him, particularly because of the season he's coming off of, which was troubled in the sense of asking his way out of the nets. Um, he wasn't the player that he had been, and he's talked about spending the offseason returning to form. Well, James Harden doesn't strike me as a guy who particularly cares about legacy, and I say that because of his willingness to talk his way out of contracts, leave teammates in the lurch, and really just do what suits him in the moment, more so than big picture. Sure. This does feel like a move that potentially could be in part motivated by an understanding that what happens in this upcoming season may dictate whether people see him as a true star or not, whether they see him as a guy who could still win it, how they look at his entire career. Do you think that that's in the back of his mind as he elects to make this a stronger team as opposed to just getting his? That's quite possible that, that that's exactly what his motivation is because of uh, how it was in Houston. And, yes, he didn't get past a certain round in the Western Conference Finals. He had not won. And, as you pointed out, forcing himself out of Houston, forcing himself out of Brooklyn. And now he looks like this guy that simply wants to jump from team to team when he's unhappy. And in this particular case, Speaking the things that he, he said in the very beginning, following it up again at the end of the season, and then actually doing it now, you would have to think that, Sarah, you're right, that at some point maybe that is crossing his mind. And he has talked openly about wanting to win a championship. So when it comes to legacy, as an all-time great and one that has already been voted as a top 75 player in the National Basketball Association, yeah, that is part of your legacy. So if you continually talk about wanting to win a championship, I would imagine that that is something that is in the back of his mind right now of what people really think about him, even though in the latest stories that have come out, he says he doesn't read anything. He, does, he doesn't really worry about what people say about him. But, again, in the back of your mind, when you, when you want to be talked about amongst the greats, which he will be and already is, a championship does go a long way. And maybe, maybe, even if he wins it here but still has the – the, the leftover frustration from Houston fans or Brooklyn fans, the one thing that he can say is, I did contribute to a championship, and some of that talk has to slow down. 
So what has to be done between now and the regular season for this Philly team to become the best team in the East? Wow. Uh, I really think it has to 100% do with what James Harden shows us once he does step on the floor, to be perfectly honest with you. All these other ancillary moves that they can make going forward, this is the team. This is the team that it is. Unless a trade happens or unless there's some other, some other, again, ancillary pieces that are added as a backup big man, a backup shooter somewhere along the lines, or a point guard, or another wing. Whatever direction they decide to go, if they do anything else with the roster, it's really about his health, what type of player he is, to elevate them from that, that team that you talk about that could be arguably in the top three, top four. I personally think they're in the top three with Boston and Milwaukee. But in the top three, top four, to be that number one, it really relies on James Harden and making sure that his health is there. If the hamstring thing is real, his health is there. He did everything possible during the offseason outside of the financial aspect of it, but health-wise to make sure that he's available for this basketball team on a nightly basis to be the best version of himself. So even though he averaged a double-double and around eight rebounds a night, he still wasn't his best version of himself, according to him, according to his teammates and his coach, when they would ask him to be himself. So if he is able to get back to that level of play, that standard of play, it may not be the Houston Rockets' James Harden, but a James Harden version where at the age of 33, which he would turn in August, that is one that can still give you, as he pointed out, somewhere close to a triple-double and be a very impactful player. And that then, along with the other new additions, P.J. Tucker, Daniel House, DeAnthony Melton, Joel Embiid being his MVP caliber self, Tyrese Maxing taking that leap from two, year two to year three, and Tobias Harris playing like the Harris we saw at the end of March, going into April, and all of the postseason when he was very, very consistent for this basketball team. That is what will get them to be the top team in the Eastern Conference during the regular season. Awesome stuff, Devon. Thanks so much for giving us the time. Appreciate it. Really appreciate it, Devon. Thank you both so much. Devon Givens, 97.5, the fanatic host and host of Sixers pre- and post-game. You can follow him at Devon G975. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, talking about James Harden and that two-year $68.6 million deal with the player option. Can go right back into free agency next summer and negotiate another new deal so he can get paid again. But Fitz, he's betting on himself a little bit. And I have to say, and I, I don't want people to call me a hater, but... I don't know that James Harden could ever be the guy he was before. I think it's a physical thing that he could still be useful, but he can't attack and create like he used to anymore. Yeah, you're absolutely right. But also he's leaving himself a window where if that's the case, then he can still every year basically put himself in the best situation. Yeah. 49ers have agreed to allow Jimmy G's agents permission to seek a trade. Where is a good landing spot? We'll get into it next. Spain and Fitz. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. One of our major focuses is the V Foundation for Cancer Research. We want to remind everybody, no times are tough. Not everybody can give, but if you can, any amount makes a difference. You can go to v.org slash donate now. And if you give your gift today, your gift will be doubled by a generous V Foundation matching donor. So someone has agreed to donate up to a million dollars in matching donations. So if we can raise a million dollars today, that million becomes two. That's incredible power uh, for every single dollar. So even if all you can do is five bucks, that five bucks becomes 10, and that makes a huge difference. V.org slash donate is how you get out there and uh, you, you make a difference. So uh, please consider 
uh, getting out there and contributing. Sarah, in the meantime, Jimmy Garoppolo in the news today as the 49ers gave us. We got like sort of a headline I'm used to getting the week before the draft, but we got it the day before training camp, essentially, as the 49ers have given Jimmy G's camp permission to go out and seek a trade, which is you know, like you giving me permission to go out and dunk a basketball. Like I can, I can, <laughs> like that's cute, but it doesn't mean that I'm going to be able to do it unless I find a four foot foot rim somewhere. I'm going to give a him a little better ball. odds than you dunking. Can we give him no. a little better odds? He's a good quarterback. No, on a four foot rim, I can dunk. I just need okay. a tiny ball because right. I, I can't palm it. Oh, that's another issue. And we know you can't run up to get some momentum because we've seen that. No, it's just got to be a thunderous. It's a thunder dunk. I'm doing a thunder dunk. That's what it's on a four foot rim. Okay. <laughs> anyway, Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, weird timing, uh, won't be physically cleared from surgery till mid-August, so a team that's looking to sign him now probably will wait to actually make it official. Um, that complicates things further and sends them even closer to camp, preseason, etc. Um, there aren't a lot of uh, destinations that make any sense. He's due $24.2 million base salary next year. Doesn't make sense for the Niners to keep him. Not a lot of teams uh, available to take him on. Um, so uh, the one that I mentioned before, the Browns, seems to make sense. He uh, would be needed there, particularly if Deshaun Watson's suspension is lengthy, and they have the ability to add him to the team. They have the room for him. Um, the question is whether or not you know they have any idea or are being given hints as to the length of Deshaun's suspension and decide that it's not lengthy enough that they need to go pick someone up and spend that much money. Yeah, because right now, most teams have at least an idea of what their quarterback situation is going to look like. When we are this close to the season starting, you essentially are, are telling Jimmy G, go find a trade partner, which means limited opportunities for him to actually get out and, and talk to anybody. More likely would be that I guess he goes somewhere as a as a backup, but you know you don't right. want to spend that kind of money for a backup. So mm-hmm. that's why all of this is a little crazy. Because I'll take the Seahawks out of the equation right away, even though we all know that the quarterback could be upgraded for them. I'll take them out of the equation. They're not going to trade them within the division. So then you start looking around. And it's like I, I the, this would be a much different conversation if this was the beginning of the off season and the Falcons were making the decision between Jimmy G and Marcus Mariota, for example, or if the Panthers were making the decision between Jimmy G and Baker Mayfield, even I I just, the timing of this just makes it feel impossible to me. Yeah. I mean, like you said, he may end up having to go somewhere where he's considered a backup. And if that decision is made while the starter is healthy, that's a lot of money to spend. If somebody loses their starting quarterback, he is obviously the best name out there right now. And your Raiders are an interesting one in the sense that Josh McDaniels has a history with Jimmy G. The Raiders just gave Carr an extension, but they could release him next offseason with minimal dead cap money if they wanted to bring in Garoppolo to be a better backup than Mullins and then give them an option in 2023 if for some reason Carr doesn't give them what they want. I mean, I think that's doubtful. I think he's he's shown enough at this point for them to believe in him. But... That would be a possibility. The Vikings, right, you've got Sean Mannion as their backup right now. Uh, would be a big upgrade at the backup, but Kirk Cousins is with them for at least the next two seasons. That's a whole lot of money to put into two quarterbacks um, if your expectation is that Cousins is going to be healthy and start. So there's a couple options like that. The Chiefs, right, like Chad Henney. You really – I know we've said anything is possible, but – if Patrick Mahomes goes down, you probably want someone better than Chad Henney at the at the reins there. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, there's some what, spots, what I, but I don't Sarah, think what if I should tie be a backup. In, what if I tie in one of the teams we talked about earlier today? Like, I know that they just did a deal for him for a two-year contract, but Maserati Mitch has a pretty easy contract to take on. He'd be, be a heck of a backup for Trey Lance. Maybe if you're the Steelers, you go get yourself a better quarterback for one year while you watch Kenny Pickett develop. Mm. I, I don't know. I'm just I'm throwing spaghetti against the wall to see what sticks here. Like that's yeah, the only. I uh, have no idea contractually if there's any reason that they wouldn't be allowed to do that uh, yeah, on a guy that they've just acquired. I, I don't think so, and they, they, it's, it's a pretty reason. I mean, it would stink for Maserati Mitch. Can we maybe Mitsubishi Mitch is a better thing? I don't know. Uh, but well, it, Brooke went with Mazda Mitch. Yeah, that still seems to that 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 seems like a pretty. We're giving like, him the we're giving him a chance before we make him just a a dependable get from here to their car. Yeah, we're giving I, him a chance know, to be an upgrade. I, there's a there's a spot for me here where Jimmy G the player feels like he deserves to be a starter somewhere. Jimmy G the player can't Agreed. stay healthy, right? But uh, but Jimmy G the contract right now makes all of this so incredibly like. I wonder if the only real solution is that they're going to have to cut him, but I can't imagine you'd cut him because if you cut him at any point because you don't want him in the locker room, whatever the reason is, you, if you make that decision, you got to feel like the Seahawks are going to swipe him up right away and you're going to have to face him. And that, that yeah. Now that makes the Seahawks better right out of the gate to me. Having, having him at the quarterback for the Seahawks would be a vast improvement. Yeah, agreed. And we know that we don't think that trade is going to happen. And you do have to ask – if the Seahawks want to tank, do they want to get better? Or does this feel like a year where they are counting on their ability to grab somebody in the draft? And if they don't think that Jimmy G is the future, he would just be a better stopgap, then maybe they don't want that. Yeah, this is all the more reason why if I'm Debo, I want to get paid right now. Because I don't want I, – I got no idea what, what Trey Lance is going to look like or how that's going to affect my numbers and what that means. Like, I just want to get my money – Today, ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance, and now a no-frills ad brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Here it is. You can say big when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive. That's it. See? Just a good old-fashioned, straightforward ad. See if you could save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE or progressive.com. The other hey, big Fitz, football news. Yes? Real quick. One team we didn't mention that I just saw Mike Tannenbaum suggested potentially is the Giants. Oh. They did not pick up Daniel Jones' option. He will be on the market in March, if they decide it's all over there, you've got Garoppolo as a potential for injury. You've got him to take over, and eh, you can maybe see that. Hey, our producer, Devin, is a huge I'm, – I'm throwing Devin under the bus here. I don't even know if Devin can talk on here with all of our technology issues, but Devin's a massive Giants fan. Devin, if you can talk, would you be in for this? Are you in for Jimmy G, the quarterback of the Giants? Yeah, you know what? I, I probably would be if the if the trade is right. I just think – Daniel Jones, like, this is the last chance to prove it. And if he can't prove it, you better hope you can get a good draft pick. Otherwise, a guy like Jimmy G might be a good fit. Yeah. They, yeah. That, I like this idea. Speaking of the Giants, they're bringing back the old school unis for a couple of games. And uh, the, we're, we're seeing alternate unis go all over the place. So I think we're going to ask you on Twitter, you know, what the best uh, bring back of, of all time is. Do the Bears even really – the Bears are just always the same, right? Like the Bears and the Raiders, 99% of that. You do have one throwback, but it's kind of like yeah, that we had Steelers. Yeah, we had LA. some terrible 1920s jerseys that came back once for a 75th anniversary. They were these, like, vertical, thick, terrible stripes with tan pants. It was not good. Uh, and they never should have brought him back. Stay in the past with those. 
Yeah, most of what the Bears do are just right in line with the same thing constantly. No different than the Raiders when they did the uh, AFL jerseys a few years ago. And it's like, oh, we're going to go back to our roots from the first jerseys from the AFL. It's like the same thing. It was just silver numbers on the jersey instead of black. It was like, wow, that's creative and different. So we'll ask you guys some of the best of all time on that and see what everybody thinks. In the meantime... I found out yesterday, like I had that awakening. Everybody has the awakening at some point in life where they realize that they're old. It happened to me, and I think when Sarah hears about it, it's going to happen to her too. Well, we'll see if everybody can come together with this. Uh, I'll tell you about it next. Spain and Fitz, ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Uh, First, want to get to some of the questions that we've asked you throughout the show. Um... And we've got some good answers. So we asked first, uh, what current or former pro athlete would you most like to see host the ESPYs next year? Um, some people chose people who are deceased. We're going to stick with people who are alive. Uh, okay. Charles Barkley. Uh, I like that one. Marshawn yeah, Lynch like would be hilarious. Pat McAfee would crush it. Um, Dennis Rodman, absolutely not. Uh mm-hmm. No chance. We need someone that's going to show up for sure and be and be in a good state. Uh, Serena Williams and Simone Biles, the Manning brothers, John Daly. That's risky. Megan Rapinoe. She did host with Sue uh, during COVID year, uh, so she probably won't be back. Sue and Diana is great, but uh, probably not going to happen right after Sue just hosted. Uh, Gronk would be potentially terrible, potentially very funny. He would have to basically freelance. I don't think he could go off script because reading a teleprompter might be absolutely brutal. And that's my guy. I just don't know if that's the mm-hmm. best thing for him. Ryan Fitzpatrick, great answer. I would well, love to see Ryan good, Fitzpatrick. Yeah. Uh, Candace Parker, Blake Griffin, fantastic. Has he already done it? I feel like if not, he should have. He is a fantastic stand-up, a good actor. He would be good. Uh, Chrissy Everett, Martina, and Billie Jean. Okay, old school tennis player throwback. Uh, Michael Jordan, no chance you're getting Michael Jordan. Sorry. Uh, Coach Popovich, I don't think he's got quite the stage presence. Steve Kerr would be good. Uh, Shaq would be good. Uh, Kyrie Irving as Uncle Drew. Okay. Oh, uh, seems good, like yeah. that would be an extended bit, though. I, I think he might get old. Nick Kyrgios, uh, no thank you. Although the dump button, the television dump button uh, for swears and inappropriate things might be at the ready there. Um, speaking of John Daly, uh, same thing there. Um, I actually really, uh, I think The Rock has done it, and if not, maybe could. Um, I don't think The Rock has done it, but absolutely think he should. Like, I think would he's such a crush. natural to this. Like yeah. Every time I watch the Saturday Night Lives he's hosted, I'm like, yeah, that, that, that absolutely, 100%. He'd be great. Uh, Kristen Edsel said Aaliyah Boston. Uh, mm. Touche. If you don't know why mm-hmm. that answer is funny, Google it. We will not get into it ourselves. Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar would be an interesting one. Teddy Bruschi, Richard Jefferson, Ocho Cinco, Jim Brown. No, Ocho Cinco and Jim Brown back-to-back. Again, Google it, people. That's not happening. <laughs> um, Embiid, fantastic choice. Uh, and uh, someone said Brittany Griner. Man, I mean, would that we were lucky enough to have that be an option. Um, we also asked you about uh, awards that should be given out at the ESPYs and are not. We got some good ones for this one, too. And I think my favorite is the person who said an award for um, being willing to fight for something or speak out about something while risking your brand or your sponsorships. That's a good one. Uh, I also like the most hated by the fan base of other teams award. Mm, I like that. That's a good one. Most quotable coach or manager. 
Yes, mm-hmm. I would like to thank people for the content they provide. Uh, I, I love that. Um, most money lost at sports books, I guess, based on that person. Um, so I guess whoever causes the most bad beats. Uh, biggest onions, I will rephrase that person's suggestion. Uh, they should acknowledge the person or team with the biggest onions. Oh, uh, okay. Best blooper. I think we could just do a blooper reel. I don't know if we need to give an award for that. Uh, best fan base. Interesting. I think um, we could do an award that is like the the I'm not crying, you're crying moment. Like oh, just let yeah. everybody like decide from all the sports, like what was the one moment that everybody yes. just absolutely bawled at. Throughout, Agreed. Like, I love that. Uh, best supporting actor for hockey dives. I would also throw in soccer dives on that one. Ooh, I would. I, I like think it'd be hilarious yeah. if they gave out NBA best flops actor. could be in that too. Like there we you just go. go all over the place. There you go. Um, and then someone said the Razzies, like the sports version of the Razzies, like the worst team award, which would be <laughs> real rough if you got it, but would be really would be really funny. Um, best concession item, interesting. Best walk back tweet of the year. And the best oh, no, like no, that. no, yes moment of the year. There's a bunch <laughs> of good ones. I, I like a lot of these fits. Yeah. I, no, this is creative. And that's part of what makes the SBs I think, stand out is that uh, obviously it's across all sports and it's the greatest moments. But there's also just a level of fun and not taking itself too seriously that I'm not sure every award show has. So I think that's part yeah. of what they can embrace in the awards that they give out. We finally also asked you for the all-time greatest NFL uniform from any team and era that most deserves to be brought back for the alternate weeks this season. And we got a bunch from uh, find it on Twitter at Sarah Spain is where where the uh, responses are. Better to see them them visually. Uh, but we got a bunch of them, so go check them out. Fitz, you've got a story to tell that involves you. F- Finally figuring out your old and in sync, apparently. Yeah, so here's the thing. I was at a Gatorade event last night honoring the high school athlete of the year. So uh, all the nominees came together, and uh, a male and female uh, award was given for the National Gatorade Athlete of the Year. Really cool moment, really cool night. They had a great setup, and we were doing SportsCenter on Snapchat last night. So I'm out in L.A., and we made this our focus. We were doing everything with these guys. So, uh, you know, we were on the orange carpet hanging out with everybody, and then we played a game with a bunch of the athletes that were there. And that game involved Gatorade lids. And at the bottom, underneath the lid, I wrote a number. And that number corresponded to a question, a pop culture question of some sort from around the era that they were they were born, around that, the, the, the thousands, at the aughts, right? So some of the questions were, you know, can you tell me what LimeWire was or Napster? And, like, of course they didn't know those. A movie quotes that they were hit and miss on. But the one that really surprised me was I was trying to figure out if they would know two members of NSYNC. That's all we were asking for. And I'm thinking, you know, like, that's a little tough, but at least I can walk it back to one. I got out of the dozens of athletes that we talked to, only one had ever heard of NSYNC, ever even knew what? that they were a band. Only what? one. Only one. They were like, yeah, I don't know who they are. I've never. And the one that heard of them was like, weren't they like an 80s band or something? No. And so I was like, Justin Timberlake was in. And they were like, oh, yeah, uh, Justin. I didn't know he was in in sync. I've never heard of him. All across the board. Everyone. Like the first three or four, I was like, maybe this is funny. Then I'm like, are y'all trolling me? Are we uh, like advancing this question? Nobody heard of in sync. So that that was my moment of realizing like when you realize that they don't even know of the band, that's when you realize you're old. Interesting. Interesting. I mean, my husband used to say when he was in a position to hire people at work, a a previous job, he used to say that if somebody was born after The Chronic came out, he didn't feel comfortable. Like, (laughs) 
he, he felt like he was closer in age to their parents than the person he was hiring. Now, of course, it's a very dated reference, and uh, most people that were at the Gatorade event last night probably don't know what the chronic is, which is oh, God, uh, no. deeply upsetting. Um, only only a couple of them had ever heard of Napoleon Dynamite, too. Like, I couldn't get any quotes from Napoleon Dynamite. Mean Girls did well. Mean okay. Girls did well. But other than Mean Girls, nothing that we asked. Here's the well. thing. Like, I... I think that this is a rite of passage for every older person. I There's plenty of things that were really popular in the 70s that I never was alive for or saw that I would have no idea. You know what I mean? Right. And yeah, 100%. people born even 10 years earlier than me are like, what? How do you not know that? And at some point you just start to... I used to think that older people who didn't keep up with all the, the newest stuff were just being lazy. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, you're not mm-hmm. even trying. And now I'm like, I'm too busy. I have too many things to do. I have a mortgage to pay. I have 11 jobs. I have enough money to do cool stuff so I don't have time to sit around and try to keep up. Like, it's a different time in your life. So now I don't think people are giving up anymore. I think they just prioritize. Like, whenever I hear about a YouTube star that has 5 million followers and I've never heard of them. I used to be like, oh God, I need to get on this. Oh my God, I'm so far behind. And now I'm just like, it's fine. I guess I'll just never know. And I'm okay with that. You know, I I say all the time with the music stuff, like I listen to the new Music Friday playlist every Friday in its entirety because I want to know what's out and what's current because that matters to me. But I also like, I get worn out by some of it where it's just like, yeah, this doesn't hit me at all. I think the only thing that's surprising sometimes is, I guess, in a in a streaming world, I thought kids would be even more apt to, like, because you don't got to go out and buy a $20 CD like I did. So if you want to discover, like, I didn't grow up with the Eagles. I had to discover them later, right? So I thought maybe there'd be more discovery. There is not, at least so no. far. There's too much content, Fitz. That's fair. When we that's were fair. growing up, everybody watched the same shows, listened to the same things, read the same things. Now you you have... 8,000 billion TikToks, you have a million different streaming services and movies and channels. The shared things are different. Yeah. What's the same as Freddie and Fitzsimmons? Up next. (laughs) Thanks for sticking with us in the technical difficulties at Spain and Fitz. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.